And now Cottonwoods had begun to wake and bestir itself, and grown hard. Jane prayed that the tranquility and sweetness of her life would not be permanently disrupted. She meant to do so much more for her people than she had done. She wanted the sleepy, quiet pastoral days to last always. Trouble between the Mormons and the Gentiles of the community would make her unhappy. She was Mormon-born, and she was a friend to poor and unfortunate Gentiles. She wished only to go on doing good and being happy. And she thought of what that great ranch meant to her. She loved it all. The grove of cottonwoods, the old stone house, the amber-tinted water, and the droves of shaggy, dusty horses and mustangs, the sleek, clean-limbed-blooded racers, and the browsing herds of cattle, and the lean, sun-browned riders of the sage. While she waited there, she forgot the prospect of untoward change. The bray of a lazy burrow broke the afternoon quiet, and it was comfortingly suggestive of the drowsy farmyard and the open corrals and the green alfalfa fields. Her clear sight intensified the purple sage slope as it rolled before her. Low swells of prairie-like ground sloped up to the west. Dark, lonely cedar trees, few and far between, stood out strikingly, and at long distances ruins of red rocks. Farther on, up the gradual slope, rose a broken wall, a huge monument, looming dark purple and stretching its solitary mystic way, a wavering line that faded in the north. Here to the westward was the light and color and beauty. Northward the slope descended to a dim line of canyons from which rose an uphinging of the earth, not mountainous, but a vast heave of purple uplands, with ribbed and fan-shaped walls, castle-crowned cliffs, and gray escarpments. Over it all crept the lengthening, waning afternoon shadows. The rapid beat of hoofs recalled Jane Witherstein to the question at hand. A group of riders cantered up the lane, dismounted, and threw their bridles. They were seven in number, and Tull, the leader, a tall, dark man, was an elder of Jane's church. "'Did you get my message?' he asked curtly. "'Yes,' replied Jane. "'I sent word I'd give that writer Venters half an hour to come down to the village. He didn't come.' "'He knows nothing of it,' said Jane. "'I didn't tell him. I've been waiting here for you.' "'Where is Venters?' I left him in the courtyard. Here, Jerry, called Tull, turning to his men. Take the gang and fetch Venters out here if you have to rope him. The dusty-booted and long-spurred riders clanked noisily into the grove of cottonwoods and disappeared in the shade. Elder Tull, what do you mean by this? demanded Jane. If you must arrest Venters, you might have the courtesy to wait till he leaves my home. "'and if you do arrest him, it will be adding insult to injury. "'It's absurd to accuse Venters of being mixed up in that shooting fray in the village last night. "'He was with me at the time. "'Besides, he let me take charge of his guns. "'You're only using this as a pretext. "'What do you mean to do to Venters?' "'I'll tell you presently,' replied Toll. "'But first tell me why you defend this worthless rider.' "'Worthless?' exclaimed Jane indignantly. He's nothing of the kind. He was the best writer I ever had. There's not a reason why I shouldn't champion him, and every reason why I should. 
It's no little shame to me, Elder Tall, that through my friendship he has roused the enmity of my people and become an outcast. Besides, I owe him eternal gratitude for saving the life of little Fay. I've heard of your love for Fay Larkin and that you intend to adopt her. But, Jane Witherstein, the child is a Gentile. Yes, but Elder, I don't love the Mormon children any less because I love a Gentile child. I shall adopt Faye if a mother will give her to me. I'm not so much against that. You can give the child Mormon teaching, said Tull, but I'm sick of seeing this fellow Venters hang around you. I'm going to put a stop to it. You've so much love to throw away on these beggars of Gentiles that I've an idea you might love Venters. Tull spoke with the arrogance of a Mormon whose power could not be brooked and with the passion of a man in whom jealousy had kindled a consuming fire. Maybe I do love him, said Jane. She felt both fear and anger stir in her heart. I never thought of that. Poor fellow. He certainly needs someone to love him. This'll be a bad day for Venters unless you deny that, returned Tull, grimly. Tull's men appeared under the cottonwoods and led a young man out into the lane. His ragged clothes were those of an outcast, but he stood tall and straight, his wide shoulders flung back, with the muscles of his bound arms rippling and a blue flame of defiance in the gaze he bent on tall. For the first time, Jane Witherstein felt Venter's real spirit. She wondered if she would love this splendid youth. Then her emotion cooled to the sobering sense of the issue at stake. Venters! Will you leave Cottonwoods at once and forever? asked Tull, tensely. Why? rejoined the rider. Because I order it. Venters laughed in cool disdain. The red leaped to Tull's dark cheek. If you don't go, it means your ruin, he said sharply. Ruin? exclaimed Venters passionately. Haven't you already ruined me? What do you call ruin? A year ago I was a rider. I had horses and cattle of my own. I had a good name in Cottonwoods. And now when I come into the village to see this woman, you set your men on me. You hound me. You trail me as if I were a rustler. I've no more to lose, except my life. Will you leave Utah? Oh, I know, went on Venters tauntingly. It galls you, the idea of beautiful Jane Witherstein being friendly to a poor Gentile. You want her all yourself. You're a wiving Mormon. You have use for her, and Witherstein House, and Amber Spring, and 7,000 head of cattle. Toll's hard jaw protruded, and rioting blood corded the veins of his neck. Once more, will you go? No! Then I'll have you whipped within an inch of your life, replied Toll harshly. I'll turn you out in the sage, and if you ever come back, you'll get worse. Venter's agitated face grew coldly set, and the bronze changed. Jane impulsively stepped forward. Oh, Elder Toll, she cried. You won't do that. Toll lifted a shaking finger toward her. That'll do from you. Understand, you'll not be allowed to hold this boy to a friendship that's offensive to your bishop. Jane Witherstein, your father left you wealth and power. 
It has turned your head. You haven't yet come to see the place of Mormon women. We've reasoned with you, born with you. We've patiently waited. We've let you have your fling, which is more than I ever saw granted to a Mormon woman. But you haven't come to your senses. Now, once for all, you can't have any further friendship with Venters. He's going to be whipped, and he's got to leave Utah. Oh, don't whip him. It would be dastardly, implored Jane, with slow certainty of her failing courage. Tall always blundered her spirit, and she grew conscious that she had feigned a boldness which she did not possess. He loomed up now in different guise, not as a jealous suitor, but embodying the mysterious despotism she had known from childhood, the power of her creed. Venters, will you take your whipping here, or would you rather go out in the sage? asked Tall. He smiled a flinty smile that was more than inhuman, yet seemed to give out of its dark aloofness a gleam of righteousness. I'll take it here if I must, said Venters, but by God, Tall, you'd better kill me outright. That'll be a dear whipping for you and your praying Mormons. You'll make me another Lassiter. The strange glow, the austere light which radiated from Tull's face, might have been a holy joy at the spiritual conception of exalted duty. But there was something more in him, barely hidden, a something personal and sinister, a deep of himself, an engulfing abyss. As his religious mood was fanatical and inexorable, so would his physical hate be merciless. Elder, I, I repent my words, Jane faltered. The religion in her, the long habit of obedience, of humility, as well as agony of fear, spoke in her voice. Spare.